Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our happiness is egg chase. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. No, 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 Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. Hello and welcome to the last of this Samurai series, talking about the impact that Samurai Rugby has had on individuals, people and the game of Sevens specifically, but the wider rugby world. My name is Bruce Aitchison from Happiness is Egg-Shaped and this is the Happiness is Podcast Samurai series. Today I have got Something that symbolizes the whole of Samurai. Somebody who's been a player, been a coach, and then has excelled and gone on to bigger and grander things, but always, always, always going to remain part of that Samurai family. I watched a phenomenal video of players talking about this man as a coach, and here are some of the words that were used. Believe it or not, I've made some notes today. We've got patient, intelligent, thoughtful, innovative, part of the family, and then the bit I really loved. Red-haired and pasty and fake tan, because let's face it, we can get emotional, but we still like to have a pop at our mates and our coaches and the people we respect. So without any further ado, let's bring in Mr. Australian Sevens Rugby, Tim Walsh. (laughs) Hello, sir. What an intro. Mate, it was so I was in tears. I watched a video that the women did for you just as you were getting to the end of your time, and they spoke with huge passion about you. And then that typical Aussie, I'll give them a cuddle, but then I'll give them a little dig in the ribs as well. <laughs> uh, somebody said that you liked a bit of fake tan, but they give you huge credit for 
for that journey, and we talk about journeys a lot, it obviously climaxed with with a gold medal in Rio. But what was it like at the beginning? Because you turned it down, didn't you? Yeah, right at the start. Um, I was in Italy, and I was um, in a piazza eating pizza and drinking uh, Prosecco on a scooter, and uh, I was offered the job to go down and uh, up with Jay and coach the women's team, um, which at, the, at that time I actually – you know, rolled my eyes out, you know, I was like, you know, look, look around, you know, I'm not leaving here. Um, and also the perception I had around um, around women's rugby as well. Uh, a year later, I was offered a job as a coaching coordinator within Sevens and um, I'm sure, you know, we'll elaborate a bit later, but the only reason I really was offered that job was because of my experiences with with Samurai and as a, and as a, a player of, of, of Sevens. Um, but yeah, returned um, to Australia and um, got involved in uh, men's and women's. But within six months, I realised what a twat I had been initially um, to be so dismissive of it. Uh, and then uh, the ensuing six years um, basically changed changed my life and uh, built up relationships and um, emotional intelligence and, and different things that I grew as a person throughout that period. Um, with the players, but um, yeah, it was a uh, incredibly successful, but very emotional and um, a lot of personal growth within that time. And um, I think for every word that uh, those players say about me, it's um, it's returned uh, two or threefold because of the you know the gifts that I've been able to experience uh, with them. It sevens is different from fifteens. There's fewer people, so the relationships, do you feel they get deeper? Are they stronger in sevens? The relationship of the coach, slightly different? They are, and I think, you know, those of us who, who know the game, um, you, your job is a little bit different and you're, you're a jack-of-all-trades, master of some. You know, you don't have 10 coaches running around, one specifically defence, you know. Through COVID, which we've experienced, there was me, you know, like coaching an international team in the Olympics, you know, you had – you're coaching everything. So there's there's that kind of technical stuff. So your skills are magnified there. But then, like you said, you're um, you're on the road for three, four, sometimes five, six weeks in a pretty small group. So your personality is magnified, how you handle um, other people, how you handle your, your teammates. And by virtue of that, you become closer. Um, and that's a a really powerful thing. Like if you don't manage it well, it can be the opposite, obviously, and you don't recruit the same thing. Again, everything you do is magnified, but it, it is a different, a different because of those, um, the sheer numbers of, of the squad that you, um, that, that you're involved in. So yeah, those relationships become, become closer and uh, it can really, again, be a really powerful um, uh, sort of competitive advantage if you get it right. So you've been on the road with this team of girls for however many tournaments. You've seen them at their best, their worst. You're in an airport lounge, your flight's maybe delayed. Did you sometimes just have to take yourself away? Because I heard a quote that you said, being their coach is like being the only guy at a girl's school and you just get bullied every day. <laughs> well, you heard the, uh, the fake tan comment as well, which actually wasn't far from the truth. But, but yeah, it is. It is. Um, yeah, it was. You get, uh, you get ganged up on and you become very authentic and very, very uh, vulnerable. Um, 
and I think it's a it's a beautiful thing too. Like you know, I think it's made me a better coach of um, in as a whole, better you know, a better coach to to coach men or women or um, you know, in in business. I think it just um, it certainly um, gave me some some um, attributes. But yeah, there are definitely coping mechanisms um, that are required to. Um, for me to be at my best, I need to be able to do this. And it was actually, it's quite funny. Um, when we, uh, my wife was pregnant and I was coaching the women, um, she bought me a book and it, the book was um, Raising Girls. So I thought we're having a girl, you know. So I was like, yes. And, and it was, she already told, like, we'd already been through it all. It was a boy. She gave me this book and I thought, oh, I must have mucked up. And she goes, no, you idiot. It's to understand women better so you can coach the team better you know so it was um it was a, it's a wonderful book and it goes from you know it was just get an understanding of um um you know a how women think or you know how it, how it can sort of subtly change a bit with with emotions um but geez they're they're incredible uh skillful uh players and their desire and drive is is uh, the reason why they won and the reason why teams all around the world win. So when you turned it down, was the perception that they weren't skillful, they weren't going to be athletes? It was did you have a did you have a negative you, well you obviously had a negative in your head. Yeah. What where did that come from? Yeah, shamefully, yeah. I think just being a, a male dominated sport, um, and you know, from what I had seen at various different tournaments, it just you know, like didn't didn't interest me. Um, you know, the the impact uh, and the unlocking of the of the talent, um, I was just blind to really. And uh, yeah, again, I mean, I'm I'm happy to admit it now, um, but at the time, yeah. And now, you know, uh, I don't, you know, a champion for change, but you know, I think we're we're well beyond that now. Um, you know, for various, you know, different leaders in, in sport, you know, Rachel uh, being one of them, but, you know, various athletes throughout the world. And now it's not about, you know, women's athletes and male athletes, it's just about athletes or it's about rugby players, you know. And I think uh, I reckon some of the, the players that I coached in the women's team uh, were the best rugby players in Australia. And, um, you know, you can drop off the women's bit. They were the best rugby players in, in Australia and they're phenomenal um, athletes mentally and physically, which is, you know, encompasses a, a, a great athlete. But uh, I can confidently say that having played and coached both, uh, both national teams. Was there a eureka moment or was it a gradual process when you were that coaching coordinator? Was there a moment where you saw Elia Green carve it up or Charlotte Kaslik do something on the ball Was was and you thought, whoa, th actually this is me? Yeah, it was, um, we're at this, we ran this TID Day Talent um, Identification Day um, throughout Australia to just recruit athletes and then turn them into rugby players. And um, Elia Green at one of our third days, um, got the ball on the edge and just burnt them, you know. And if she wasn't burning them, she was running through them. You know, it's like, I can't run around you, I'm going to run through you. But she was just this specimen uh, of an athlete, name I'd never seen before in a, uh, on a women's rugby field. And then Charlotte Kaslick, um, again, like, you know, these braids, ribbons, um, probably wears more fake tan than what I do. But she was ripping... 
15 metre passes left and right, had the vision of um, of uh, one of the you know greatest players. Um, and I was just, again, like looking back, I go, this is unbelievable. Like the uh, the potential which this game now, now had, or always had, I just didn't see it. Um, but if we can uh, harness the these athletes and, and get them together, um, then we're we're going to change. You know, like I say, change the game. But we're going to uh, support the uh, the growth of rugby through through a change of perception, which I um, was guilty of. And I, I know as a fact that um, you know not only me, but through through the um, the Rio Olympics and and beyond. Um, you know, you've got audience and spectators watching watching rugby on joint events. You know, like and they come off um, just like, oh, I want to see more of the girls play, or you know, I had no idea they were so skillful. It was like, hey, no, did I? <laughs> but but guess what? <laughs> yeah. well, one of the best bits about Rio, I think, was that the women's tournament almost kicked off the Olympics. Yeah. So so people were in the Olympic fever and the thing that was fueling it at the beginning was the women's game. And it probably was a eureka moment for quite a lot of people. Yeah. I, look, from an Australian point of view as well, it was, it was pretty, pretty unique. Um, but because it was, yeah, right at the start, um, Australia won a gold medal on a, in Australia, the time morning, 8am. Um, it was a rugby game against New Zealand. And so the whole of the Australia was watching it on the East Coast um, mostly, but the whole of Australia because it's the Olympics. And they won a, a, an Olympic gold medal against a rugby nation of New Zealand. And then three days after, Australia didn't do that well in the medals. So it was just continual rolling of, uh, of the rugby. So it had a massive um, impact from that point of view. But then there was also this moment. It was Australia versus um, USA. And uh, Victoria Flohaven, I think it was, um, was, you know, she's a she's like Elliot Green, this powerful, elegant athlete. And she was just flying down the sideline, um, score for all money. And then Charlotte Kastik was just sweeping from the other side of the field. And she's this, you know, lean, and she was, you know, very skinny then, but lean athlete, but just gracefully just almost like the Terminator, though, just coming across the field with their um, braided hair, ribbons, and I'll, I'll add the fake tan and just like, and she absolutely belted her, you know, like crunch tackle, into touch. Um, and then she'd like bounced up in the air, threw a pigtail over the over the shoulder and like, you know, almost was like a catwalk over to her next job before Victoria had even got up or even had a breath, you know, and I was just like, oh, my God, that just, that was a moment. I thought they just shifted all perceptions around uh, the ability, the skill, the the um, uh, I don't know the 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 marketing of uh, of uh, a game changer for for rugby. Um, yeah, those two moments really really stood out with me um, at the Olympics, and again to see the game grow from then. Like I, as you're aware, I finished coaching the women in 2018, but to see the um, the Kiwis come back and win in, in such gracious and uh, an unbelievable form. The French, you know, you know, after just qualifying, getting through the game, just keeps on 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 uh, on growing. And on both men and women, I know we've spoken all about women here, but the uh, 
you know the men's side of things with the with the Fijians and and everything that's going on. It's just um, it's just a beautiful a beautiful game, and uh, I'm so pleased that the Olympics have have picked it up and uh, you know helped us you know drive all the values of rugby. Hundred percent. It was a real letdown up here because we had that high of watching the Olympic sevens, fabulous advert for the game of rugby, and like you say, the values of rugby. And then we had the Lions series in South Africa that just left everybody thinking, "What the hell have we done to this beautiful game of ours?" I loved, I love the Aussie bit to all of this. To you know, I'm I'm hitting stereotypes here, but when I hear those players talk about you, it's with love and affection as a as a strong coach player relationship but then there's also the digs there's the relaxed nature that we see on social media which is a a small and sometimes false window into what's actually happening but when it comes to sport Aussies flick that switch and it's and it's all on you, you know you love whether it's the olympics or it's rugby or it's cricket whatever it goes i heard you talk about when the girls went into the village and there was all these stars, and but you treated it just like a big sports day. But a big sports day in Aussie is a big deal. And then <laughs> your preparation before the final sounds like you weren't focused. But to me, it's a, that flow state. It sounds like the stars aligned for you in Rio. Yeah, I think you know that's where we're all after as coaches, and we've all been there as players or coaches, where you just you you find yourself in these positions where you know you're not going to lose like everything's just it is it it's the flow and we're all trying to trying to find it and very occasionally you get this unbelievable game where both teams are in the same flow and it's just it's just incredible and you know there's a there's a lot of um you know planning and strategic and psychology to try and to try and get there and the you know winning experience and form and all that kind of thing so there's a there's a formula i think we're all aware of but there's so many factors that go into it. Um, so I won't say it's a, it's a fluke, but it's also the like the way that that team prepared and the Aussie culture is different to anyone else's. You know, like that wasn't something I went, right, I'm going to do it like this and we're going to put it in there. It, it organically happened over a, a five-year period. Um, so it's not like I can go to the men's team and try and replicate it. You just wouldn't do it. You just got to analyse, you know, the, the environment, um, the culture reflective of your environment, the people, the age, the experience, you know, all that all that kind of um, stuff that sort of goes into it. But certainly with the women, it was a, a, fortunate in that it was a bit of a blank canvas. There wasn't a lot of um, preconceptions. There wasn't this is how we're going to be. Like we're, we're now professional athletes. How are we, how are we, going, to, uh, how are we going to act? So there was, um, it was a wonderful time to be a coach because you could have this this is how, you know, what's going to work for us. And, um, yeah, you're right. Like within that, um, um, the dressing room beforehand is, is ridiculous, you know. It actually didn't sound too different to what Ben Ryan was talking about, you know, like the way that the Fijians were as well. And, you know, you get a Fijian on the field playing footy, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, like you don't want to cross them. But, um, you know, the women's team were the same and I think both of them, well, we both won gold medals, you know. It was um, – I think we're both in the, in the flow, but um, when we yeah we did walk into the village, um, we looked at what were the, the inhibitors to our our performance, and one of them, which everyone knows about, is just the the ability to handle pressure or stay in that performance bubble, 
and not not get distracted. And that was always a concern. You've got these young young women that were going to the Olympics for the first time. Um, how are they going to behave in the in this village um, scenario? And I, again, from the moment they walked in to the village, it was like you know business time, and they were just like, yeah, we're here to we're here to perform. And we did speak about it obviously a lot, but we're here to perform, and we'll. Uh, We'll we'll um we'll celebrate after and even you know even to the point where we did a recce to um to to Rio a year before um, Scott Bowen and I did who was the performance manager and I kept sending videos back of the um of of Rio and in the dressing rooms and different things and I said oh this is where the closing ceremony is and then the messages came back I was like well where's the opening ceremony you know I was like well we're not going to that because we've got to play the next day. <laughs> and then you know so it was already just you know like i gave them the option you can go to it if you want and like and it was pretty simple like they were very mature and like i said to you very um their desire to perform was outweighed everything it was like performance based so it's like yeah of course we're not going but i just wanted to know where it was anyway kind of thing but <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah the the flow um comes over time and you know good good leaders in the team um good cultures that are reflective of your environment um all that stuff that then puts you in that puts you in that state you know stability um knowing your knowing each player knowing you know uh, knowing their roles um the staff and then yeah it almost becomes yeah you almost run it it runs itself in the end and you're just there to just pull strings here and there just to make sure everyone's on online. But once you get all those structures and systems in place, um, it's a pretty nice place to be. So I, I love listening to all of that and it, it just how you didn't necessarily impose things. You, you, you're, you obviously have a strength in listening and being able to get the mood of the group. When I watch, you know, the the pre-match amble on TV, and you see people coming in, they're deadly focused. They've got the headphones in. The bus has probably been silent. Before you guys go out to win a gold medal in Rio, it's like a nightclub in the changing room. Like that's that's not normal. But is that was just the right thing for you and your team? Yeah, I never envisaged it being like that either. You know, it was all like very serious or off the wall. You know. This is our lot, this is our way. But, um, you know, we quickly realised that the better we felt, the better we played, you know. And, uh, the, you know, the cliche that the women needed to feel good to win and uh, the blokes need to win to feel good, you know. And that, that certainly res resonated with me because no matter how well we played, if we lost, you know, you're defined by your result, you know, life sucked. Um, but you need to put yourself in that position where you're feeling you're feeling good, and that's with trust and, and stability within your team. Um, you know, look, you know, I think we were very stable going in. You know, the, the team was – the team they probably knew the team before it was even named. Like, there might have been a contentious one player, but gave them enough stability and confidence that they were in this position. But at the same time, that group of players weren't that type of players where they were resting on just being there. They were, they were a group of individuals that – just was it was they were never um, it was never enough. They always wanted to to be better, and that was the you know the perfect storm from a coach point of view is that you could keep them together or keep them in this 
whether they play bad or not, you know that they're they're the right people for the job and you show them confidence and you know they're not going to stop and, and rest. They're going to just keep working and, and, and getting better. Um, and then, uh, yeah, to the dressing room kind of thing, was that was just how they how they prepared, how they got in the zone. And it was this, you know, there's a couple of songs, but there's this one country and Western song that, you know, if you heard it, you wouldn't ever get scared or think, oh, shit, you know, they're coming. But it ended up becoming almost like a death rattle, you know, like other teams would hear it and they'd be like, oh, shit. You know, like that bloody, that bloody song that God is mad and doesn't have any sort of um, connotation of fear became our, our death rattle to, <laughs> to going out and playing and it was, yeah, it was quite funny. It just it just sounds awesome. I love it. So let's rewind a little bit then because probably most people want to talk to you about that and I, and I love hearing about that journey, especially with the change of perception. I'm married to female head of PE, uh, an athlete. I've got two daughters. So having these positive role models and, and I've probably changed my perception. I think I need to read that book that you were talking about before though because any help is bloody welcome, let me tell you. Um, but you you travelled overseas. You you took quite a big gamble, but it's probably something that in Australia is just it's a bit of a rite of passage, isn't it? Yeah, I think we're isolated over here, and the Aussies love love to travel. And um, I'll certainly be encouraging my uh, my kids to to go and travel. I just think you just get so much um, self awareness and experience and a different way of looking at things uh, from travel. And I certainly, from a career or from a coaching point of view, like I didn't even want to coach, to be honest. Like I did all these degrees in different different things and wanted to go and work in a in a bank, you know, run businesses and stuff. But I sort of ended up in here. And I do I coach like it's a business as well. Like I run it like a business, but I didn't have any any intention of, of doing it. But then when you you do it and you love it and you're almost running a business within a game you love, it's pretty cool. But then you reflect on it. And go like why you know why have I been you know relatively successful at this job, um, and then you you start to sort of unpack it, and it, it's I believe it's because of um, the people you interact with, the different things you can take off different people, different cultures, not just rugby, just just life, um, and you you have a different you know to read people, different awarenesses that you get, um, I think through through traveling and then immersing yourself in in different environments, which again, generally is from, from traveling. So heading to England, was it just, I'll pack my boots and, and see what happens? A little bit. I was in, um, I was in Australia and um, back in those days, super teams and they were, you know, fiercely competitive. Um, and we were very good as well. Um, and there's a, and at the same time as well, if you're from Queensland, you didn't go and play for someone else. Like you, you're a Queenslander. So I had a guy called Elton Flatley uh, in front of me, uh, and another guy called Shane Drab, who ended up over in England as well. But just phenomenal players, and I was sort of blocked by those blokes. So then I went to New Zealand, played for uh, in North Harbour with an incredible team. There were 13 All Blacks in our team. You know, it was unbelievable, and I was their fly half. Um, loved it over there, and then uh, I got a call from England. Um, to go and play over there, and I had um, ancestry, so I was uh, I was eligible from a 
uh, a, a playing point of view. I wasn't, I was classed as a foreigner, but I still, I could go over there quite easily. So I went over there, um, played for Worcester, and then over to Leeds, and they were in the Premiership in the Heineken Cup. And then uh, um, my mate, Alvin Flatley, he got a, he got an injury, um, and they asked me to go back and play for the Reds. So I had a, Phil Davies was the coach there at Leeds, um, and I had a chat to him about, you know, could I go and do it, you know, because it was something that I really wanted to, to do. And, and Leeds at the time, it was in March, we were um, – we were sort of in that fifth to eighth position. Like we were, we weren't going to go either way. There was enough points either way. So he uh, he released me to go and uh, to go and play, um, which was uh, very grateful of. So ended up back there, and then I went back to England after that. Um, had a bit of a life moment where I was like, okay, I'm 25 now. I'm going to uh, I'm going to play part time and do some more study. So I, I did that, um, and then uh, I came back to Australia. Um, played some footy there and then I was, I was working and through work I ended up having a meeting with the Reds around um, commercial stuff and Ewan McKenzie, who was the coach at the time, needed a fly half and he said, I heard, I heard you could do it. Um, and I sort of said, yeah, I could. <laughs> he goes, are you serious? He goes, yeah. I said, all the guys around here reckon you're the guy. I was like, okay. So I came to, he goes, come to train tomorrow. So I talked back to my boss and Ended up at training, and two weeks later, I had a contract. Um, so I added, uh, I added a few more caps to my Reds, to my Super Rugby uh, resume, which went from 1999 to 2010 for a total of eight caps. <laughs> um, and then from there, I ended up. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. In Italy, um, for an incredible time in, in my career, um, just we won the Super 10 over there, played a couple of years. The under-20s uh, World Cup was in Padova, which is my club, which is where the Sevens opportunity came about. Um, and it just, yeah, went back to Australia and I'm still here at Rugby Australia, loving it. <laughs> so you, you went for an office job and ended up getting to wear number 10. Yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is just brilliant. So uh, you... the, dis- no, the disappointing thing is um, I played really well in the first game and flatly didn't play because he was injured, but then he became, he, he became fine and they put him at 12 and me at 10. And I was just like, this is like, because I grew up um, a few years below Elton, but he was like, you know, one of my heroes, him and Timmy Horn. And I got to play with, with Elton, you know, in Wellington. 
uh, on Friday in the team run um, was Windy Wellington. The ball was windy and it, um, he tried to catch it and he snapped his ligament in his thumb and he didn't get to play. So I was like, oh, knocker. <laughs> <laughs> you got to train with him though <laughs> and go to New Zealand. <laughs> So when when did Samurai fit in here? Had you heard of Samurai before you got the call? Yeah, look, I, and yeah, Samurai throughout that whole period, uh, very influential in my whole in my whole career. So there was uh, my first interaction was I was I was living in Worcester with um, Jim Jenner, who um, played a lot of, a lot for Samurai, and uh, um, he sort of introduced me to to Terry and and, and the team. So in the summer, as you as you do in England, um, you you play some sevens around around Europe, and uh, Samurai was the the premier team, and I I played a fair few seasons with Australia, so I had a had a good resume, so it was like a, you know, um, I think I was a good fit for um for Samurai in terms of the the stature of which of which they attract, um, and then you you get involved within a within a um an organization like samurai where uh fantastic people great values um and passionate about driving forward and basically from you know from that moment 2004 onwards um my connection with uh, with samurai particularly while i was in england was was quite like for the four years which i was still in england um, was you know three you know Amsterdam who we won three in a row um, the Ledbury's the um, Rome like all all over the place and just you know driving home uh, high standards talent um, and then uh, and 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 performing really uh, and even even back in Australia whenever there was a tournament in uh, Dubai or Darwin. Um, I'd be the link there with uh, with Terry to to recruit and get and get um, you know people that are going to fit the samurai um, uh, values and uh, and standards of which of which uh, they demand. So there was that link there, and then um, I was in back ended up back over in in Italy, but in the European area um, towards the end of my career, Terry gave me the opportunity to coach. So coaching at Amsterdam. So we won another one in Amsterdam, this time as a coach, um, working with the likes of uh, Mike Friday and uh, and Fraser and uh, just ridiculous talent of players and sevens knowledge and, and coaches. So the development of which um, Samurai um, exposed me to, um, you know, mentored me through um, different things. Just, yeah, again, forever uh, thankful for for educating me in the uh, in the world of uh, of sevens by virtue of the environment which was created and the people that you get to associate with, it, it's a completely different beast, though, isn't it? The invitational thing to having a squad that you can prepare over a period of time, but Samurai continues to hit such high standards, and with high standards comes success in in what would be a result. When you rock up to an invitational tournament as a player and you might have heard of him and you played against him and you maybe met him or went to school with him or you know how it works, the world's, the, the rugby world's small, What what's the magic dust to bring a team together over such a short period of time? Yeah, I think your recruitment initially is just getting the, the right people and that's what Samurai was so good at through, through a longevity 
and experience, they could tell which was going to be the right mix of people that were going to uh, gel together. Um, and then, you like, the, man, the moment you get to the airport or wherever you're going, you're just filled with excitement because you know that you're like-minded people, you're very skillful, you have this IP that, um, that um, other teams often don't have because they are of such, such a, um, a standard. So you can quickly, as a player and as, as a coach, quickly figure out, you know, what each other's role is and, uh, and um, then put it all together. And I think that's the beauty of sevens to an extent. Is you don't you don't need fifteen players to gel together at any one time. You only need seven, so you can do it a little bit quicker. Uh, and it, like you alluded to before, the relationships that you you can have, um, I think, are stronger because you're uh, you're spending that much more time together. and You have to understand each other's game uh, a, a whole lot more. Was there a moment where you? somebody just did something you thought wow who's this guy or was there somebody who rocked up and you thought sweet i've got him on my team was there were there players that gave you a a huge buzz that you know you wouldn't have been able to play for at your club because you weren't in the same place or your country oh god yeah there's always there's always a couple of those guys i think in amsterdam one year we had david streddle stretch um he was just uh electric um Simon Hunt was just a, a freaky seventh player, like unbelievable off the field as well. Just, <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> he just knew. He was just a machine and he just knew the game. Um, ben Gollings and I quite tight still, like just his, his athletic, uh, you know, sort of prowess, but he's just knowledge around how to, how to play the game. And, you know, this is – we we started together actually Australia England that's how we sort of met, um, and uh, he sort of stayed on the circuit for ten years and he just he just do it standing on his on one leg you know that kind of stuff but yeah there's often players that sort of came in and you just know that they're going to be um, swooped on by some somebody somewhere offering them you know uh, big money and 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 to play for for England or Australia or New Zealand or or whatever, and um, you know that's um, that's part of I think part of the sevens um, you know remit is to is to retain, recruit, develop you know the best rugby players uh, in the world um, to whether it to be played nationally, internationally for their country, or to go on and play fifteens or win world cups or, or gold medals, uh, whatever it is. So yeah, I can think you know sevens um, and samurai have played a, a huge part in developing. Uh, these players and giving them a a uh, a position to be able to show their show their wares, and then it's like okay, and then you can make a decision: am I going to go this way or or, or this way? But yeah, uh, stretch definitely in in Amsterdam, um, Hunty, um, just from a seven sort of like um, brilliance kind of thing. I really enjoyed uh, Russell Earnshaw um, playing. I know this is probably we're talking like fifteen years ago now, but um, yeah, those those guys were uh, uh, just great leaders and uh, and veterans of the game that that brought on the young fellas. And that's the other thing I think a lot of um, a lot of mindset I think with sevens is it's a development tool, solely development tool. And if you put a bunch of twenty year olds together, yeah, they'll develop, but they won't develop as much as they will if you put you know six twenty eight year olds 
with another with six 20 year olds then they'll develop and they'll develop real quick so if you go to play for samurai and you've got you know ben gollings and rob vickerman and rusty earnshaw and simon hunt running around and then you got these you know 20 year old dave straddles and you know uh, rico gears or whatever running around then they're gonna they're gonna accelerate their growth um a whole lot a whole lot better and that's what i identified with um with, with samurai is that it was a a launching pad for um for players um whether it be to go and play for their country in sevens or go off into into premiership or 15s or or wherever but um you just knew that if you were um if you're picked for samurai that you were going to learn quick and you it's like an apprenticeship you're going to come out the other end um knowing whether you're going to make it or not you know you mentioned the word learning there and you know your success your recent most recent successes people will have seen but they won't have seen the development of being a player with samurai and a, a player in england and a player in italy and a coach and coaching the samurai so they you don't see the hard work do you you see the result i take it from each thing you were taking something like that i would change that there's a guy there's a speech there's a moment there's a feeling were you always gathering these little gems yeah yeah again on field and off field you know what what worked what were point of differences what inspired you you know even from a cultural point of view you know i ended up in in italy and um you know like the italians love their food and and family and you know and we'd sit at lunch for like two hours three hours and i didn't even speak the language so i'm just like sitting there just like you know but within three weeks i was you know speaking i was becoming close to this this group so much quicker than than what we would in probably other countries like it was just i think wow like you know despite um you know, I didn't like it at the beginning. It just became this is a really, um, I think, you know, great tool. But then, you, you know, all through the world, I was so lucky to have um, Ben Ryan coach me at Newbury. Um, Mike Friday, we were coach, coached me at Samurai, then I coached with him. And then all the, you and McKenzie was probably my light bulb moment where I thought, yeah, I can be a coach here. You know, Dave knew Sephora and their high performance in Ireland that you look at or experience these guys coaching you. And then going, okay, yep, 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 I can, I can do that. Um, and then culturally around the world, all these different things that you think might work within the group that you're with at that time. And then, like, as you said, the, the technical side, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, when you play the game for 15 years, 20 years, most people understand the technical side. Like, there's not a whole lot you can reinvent. I think there, there's a difference between good and great. But, you know, you can understand the technical side. It's the other stuff. Like you talk about finding the flow or getting that group of people to merge together or uh, an emotional intelligence or awareness on, on how to get this group of players to, to perform the best they can. Create the environment individual has the opportunity to perform at their best. And um, I believe you get that skill from, from what you said, you know, different being aware, taking notes, and looking at different things that might um, that might work in this situation, you know. And I think I think that takes application and a thirst for for knowledge, and then a, then a courageousness to go and do it, you know. Like you know, head coach a team or talk to Sandy and say, "Mate, can I um, 
can I coach this uh, this team? I think I'm ready. <laughs> and the the bit about coaching, I can imagine players like being coached by you because it sounds like you've got the emotional intelligence which you've mentioned, but you've got experience that comes from travel, putting yourself in challenging situations, going to Italy, you don't speak the language, turning up at an airport, not maybe knowing the other 11 guys you're going to be with, and then you gel together, and at the end of it, you've got a gong to, to show for it. When did you have a moment on the circuit, and anybody who knows the maybe a bit of the background to the seven circuit, you all stay in the same hotel, you all pretty much train at the same venues, the changing rooms are next door to each other, you share the same food halls. Who who do you sit down and have a coffee with and you know reconnect with or maybe new people has there been moments where you thought this is the kind of person i need to spend time with or i can't wait to see them in the next the next one yeah it's, it's a really interesting environment the old um sevens tournament because yeah this this and it's very unique to rugby i think very special with rugby but yeah playing this barbaric sport where you're belting each other and then you're you know, at the breakfast, you know, asking to pass the milk or something like that. And then, you know, and then you, you do it again the next week. And then, you you know, you're trying to, and you, am I friends with this bloke or am I competitive or am I trying to get an advantage? Over and everyone's different. Everyone's different. But the, the beauty, I think, of the game is that, um, of rugby, is that you can you can flick that switch and become that person. And then when you're on the off the field, you're, uh, it's just a, uh, He's just a good bloke. And Ben Gollings is is probably that example. Like back in the day, 2001, 2002, Australia, England was like, that was like, there was sort of a couple of teams that were really good. And then we were in that sort of, um, you know, fighting it out for third, fourth and fifth. And we'd end up playing England all the time. And we'd just be, you know, they win one, we win one, they win one. I remember it was Argentina. It was wet and rainy. And then I ended up kicking a, um, a penalty goal in double extra time to win the game. I think it was the last time we won against England in that year. But then that night, you know, it's the second leg of the tournament. We're at um, at this, uh, you know, post-game celebration, you know, party with these uh, flame throwers and fires. And, you know, Ben Gollings and I are on the – probably shouldn't say this – on the table, you know, shirts off and then swapping shirts and, you know, getting up there with the fire throwers. And it was just like we just – had this, you know, gigantic uh, mammoth battle for this uh, for this plate final. That uh, and now I'm sitting here with uh, with, with Benny and um, yeah. I mean, we we're still close mates now, but yeah, those are like I think they're very unique. And I'm sure every rugby player's got a thousand of those stories. Um, but yeah, I think it, it does make our game great. You know, it's a it's a barbarian's game played by gentlemen. And and some pretty serious women as well with with your yeah. experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So in in Australia, rugby's not the number one show in town. Um, you know, there's a lot of competition for the level of athlete with the with the different sports and rugby sevens probably falls below even 15 so it's even further down the pecking order how do you how do you see the promotion how do you see the how do you entice somebody to take up this game whether it's in australia or or here how would you sell it to them yeah look i don't i don't actually think it's that 
hard to sell because it's that that great. I mean, you gotta you gotta want to enjoy contact, so that's hard. But sevens to me um, in, inspires, innovates, and includes, and that's I think uh, you know a bit of a thing, a, a, a sort of strap line for sevens. You have this inspiring women and men, you know, to go to the Olympics, represent your country, travel the world, Commonwealth Games, you know, for for the America, but it's you can inspire and, you know, rugby, you look at um, 95 World Cup, you know, like diplomacy of sport with South Africa, like that was the, you know, a vehicle to change. So you got this inspiring uh, sport and what better stage than the Olympics? And then you got the the innovation of, I think, of the game and entertainment, which you can, again, use as a vehicle. And then what we've been opened up with this conversation, but the, the inclusion it's a game for for everybody, you know. It's a it's a development tool. It's a it's a young young person's game. It's a experienced veteran Olympic some of sport game, but um, yeah, the, I think those three things basically cover what sport's all about, um, and hence why it's in the Olympics. But you know that would be whether it be commercial or um, athletes. You know, you can you can go and play play sevens, and um, that's what you're gonna that's what you're gonna get out of it. You know, and again, I don't think there's too many people around the world that would uh, argue that the style of people that play rugby, and that's our biggest sort of um, selling point, I guess, or is that they're genuinely, um, you know, good people that uh, that run around and beat each other up and bleed, but. You know, they're underneath it all. They're pretty intelligent and uh, and emotional and uh, and uh, a loving loving of uh, of life and sport. Was was anybody really suspicious that Tim Walsh, like, were were netball coaches sort of shepherding you away in case you were recruiting their their <laughs> goalkeeper to come and play prop in your sevens team? Or yeah, was... yeah, there were <laughs> yeah. Like obviously with that TOD day, and, and even even now recently, like you know, with the success of Carlin Isles and um, you know Perry Baker, and it, there's probably there's a heap of them to be honest. Um, uh, but yeah, like Ilya Green, we took from the track. I say we take from the track. She made a choice. Trey Williams is our most recent one um, that uh, in the Ilya Green kind of kind of mold. But then you know within that team there was tennis players, basketballers, soccer players, rugby league in the in the gold medal team, um, and uh, and even going forward like uh, you know I think it's it, and and I was often asked as a rugby player, are you worried about so as a rugby coach, are you worried about you know the professional rugby league women's teams and uh, netball teams and AFL teams? I was like <laughs> no, because I love sport. The more you can do it, the better. And if that athlete would like to play uh, rugby sevens, then they've already got a year or two or three of professional sport under their belt. They're already halfway there. You know what I mean? Like when I started, they were down the level of not even made a tackle before, let alone um, experienced a professional environment. So if, if, if that's happening, you're in your increasing options for, for athletes and you're making the standard better to for that person to be able to do it and you know i think you know at the olympics in 24 28 32 you know you you could probably see 
in both men and women, um, you know, NFL players, rugby league players, AFL players or something who don't get to go to the Olympics, they might make a decision where, you know, I might have, might give this a crack. And you're already starting to see it, but I think that might become more uh, more popular in the in the future. When so someone, someone comes up to you and says, Tim, I want to start that journey, do you say, right, give me a second, Terry, I've got this person, how about it? Yes. Yeah, and sadly, we're all the way over in Australia and then sometimes the, uh, well, definitely now with COVID, but there are there are restrictions. And, like, I think the reason why England have been so good, um, you know, throughout, you know, decades is because of the, of the systems that are in place, like, uh, and particularly samurai, but the whole of summer, you can you can travel playing sevens around the world, having the best time, and learning and playing high level rugby. So when um, you know England come to pick their squad, they got they got a plethora of uh, talented players to choose from, and usually you go straight to samurai because that's where you know, the best coaches, the best players generally are, you know, with a bit of the international flavour and whatever. Um, in Australia or something something like that where we could, we could uh, manufacture that, have those tournaments, I think we'd be in a much better position uh, with, with depth. But I've often said it, you know, the, the reason England are so good is because they've got a, they've got a development team. And it's probably, you know, Samurai to me is the pinnacle of it, but there's a there's a heap of them, you know, like I can't remember all the other names. But yeah, yeah, don't, don't, don't name them or Terry will go off his, <laughs> off his chump. Just don't name them. It's fine. Samurai's the only show in town. That's all we need to know. So you, you've you been almost everywhere that they can throw an egg. You've, uh, you've played, you've coached. If... Terry was to call you up and say, Walsh, I need you to come and coach. Where where would be the dream location now? Yeah, right. I mean, straight away it's it's Italy. Like it's it's um it just I don't know, it's just a time of my life. It was just a a special uh a special time. Um I loved everything about Italy, you know, and again, you need to win to feel good. We won the Super 10. Um, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I, I, I love Italy. But every place I've ever been to has an incredible charm to it, you know, and um, I'd be happy just about anywhere, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I do I do enjoy Italy. Okay. Well, we'll take that. A bit of a hero returns, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> So, Walsh, I, I really appreciate this. I've absolutely loved speaking to you. I think there's hours and hours in this, but uh, I think I, I need to let you go because it's probably bedtime and you've got some jobs to do before you get there. So just to sum it up for me, what what does Samurai mean to Tim Walsh? Yeah, it's um, like it's given me, it's given me so much. Um, like I said, experience, experience, um, fun, uh, travel, um, you know, so to encapsulate that and pull it all into all into one word is is pretty difficult. But um, I think Samurai is a reason I'm in this job today. And that's, you know, one of the, you know, I think forever in gracious or, you know, use the word in debt to, to Terry and Samurai is that, you know, having the faith in uh, 
in me, but creating this environment where players can can do that, you know, or the or the vision to to um, grow with sevens and where it's going. Like you know, when Terry, you know, it all kicked off and whatever. I don't know what you know the vision he had and all that kind of thing. But we, sevens wasn't in the Olympics. It wasn't, um, you know, this. Uh, the series wasn't as huge as it is now and all that kind of thing. So um, it certainly gave me the uh, the front foot and the experience to be able to, to do what I'm doing today. And um, I've said that many times to whoever talks to me about it. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to be, to be part of and to be uh, involved in and, and grow, grow with the game. I love it. Thank you, sir. It, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. And I really hope at some point, maybe I'll ask Terry if I can come and join you for that tournament in Italy. I'll be your bag man. I'll put your cones out and, and collect them in. I promise I'll keep them in the same colours. I'll do whatever. Oh, you don't worry about that. I'll be putting them out myself. It's, uh... <laughs> I'll hold your water bottle and your fake tan. And we both we both need a hat. <laughs> I'm bald and you're, you're pasty well, so we, you know. <laughs> awesome Tim Walsh thank you very much it's been an absolute honour speaking to you uh, a pleasure thanks for having me that was absolutely magical time very well spent what a man and I love it I love that strap line inspire innovate and include and he strikes me as being somebody who does all of those things what an inspiration and there is a heap of stuff online that you can check out with people talking about how he's inspired and what he's done to help grow the game and develop athletes but that Aussie thing, he just seems like a bloody good bloke and uh, proud to be part of the Samurai family along with him. If you've enjoyed it, please catch us on ACAST, Spotify and Apple. Leave us a review. Tell your friends. Subscribe. You can also watch on Facebook and YouTube. But for now, my name is Bruce Aitchison from the Happiness Is podcast and my happiness is very, very much egg-shaped. I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon. Stay safe. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. No, 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 Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.